And today I want to talk to you about a topic that I believe is crucial for the times that we live in. In fact, I, I know it is. I don't believe it. I know it is. It's crucial. Because you know what time, what kind of times we're living in, right? It seems, like, it seems like in the world today, especially even in our country, it seems like the leaders of our country are constantly trying to move us away from God. There's little decisions being made that are, that are attacking our moral stance. There's issues and, and things that are coming up and laws are being changed and all this crazy stuff's going on and it's all wrong. But there's not much that we can do about it other than pray, which is the best thing we can do about it. Amen. And so, so we're living in a time where, where our country is, is getting drawn farther and farther away from God. But that's not a bad thing. And I want you to see that today. I know it's scary times. I know we don't know what's coming up. We don't know what our kids are going to face. I mean, if you think about it, you can get overwhelmed real easy. If you watch too much of the news, you can really get confused and walk in fear. Right. I mean, news is just crazy. So I regulate how much news I watch or listen to because I don't want to get wrapped up in all that. I'm just I'm trusting that this is going to lead me where I need to go. And this is my arrow. Come on, somebody. This is this is going to get it. I mean, it can go crazy to the left of me and crazy to the right of me. But I'm going to stay on this. Amen. And so we're living in those kinds of times. And I believe that in these kinds of times, the harvest is ripe. Because here it is, the further our country gets away from God, the more empty, hopeless, and desperate people become. That's just the reality of it. The further we get away from God, the more empty we become. You know it's true in your own personal life. When you don't spend any time with God, you don't read your Bible, you don't pray, you don't talk to Him, you don't listen to Him. Where where do you end up? You end up in a spot where you're going, man, am I even saved? How do I know that's true? That happens to me. But you're the pastor. Yeah, but I'm human. And if I choose not to spend time with God or I I let my life drift away from God, then I get empty. Right? And so today I want to preach a message to you about the marketplace. And I'll explain to you what the marketplace is for you. But I also want, uh, this is the title of my message today. You're anointed for the marketplace. Say that with me. Say, I'm anointed for the marketplace. Now, the, the word anointing can be a, uh, sometimes a spooky word and you can hear a lot of religious people say, oh, that brother's got the anointing and he's got this. And anointing can become kind of wacky if you're not careful with it, right? How many of you heard some wacky things about the anointing? You know, if you stand on your left foot and wiggle your ear, you'll be anointed. I, I don't know. P- people do crazy stuff. I want to set the record straight about anointing today. Can I do that? So let me, let me first explain to you what the anointing is. According to the Bible, the anointing is when the Holy Spirit comes on you and he enables you, entrusts you, and empowers you to accomplish God's will. Very simple. The the anointing is not some mystery that we can never figure out. It's the Holy Spirit coming on you to enable you, entrust you, and empower you to accomplish God's will. Simple enough. First of all, he enables you. In other words, the Holy Spirit gives you the ability to reach people and build lives. What does that mean? That means to to get people saved and then to disciple them. He gives you the ability. If you're a born-again believer, you are not disabled. Come on, somebody. You are enabled. The Holy Spirit has given you the ability to reach the lost. 
it's going to be a long message because y'all being quiet. And I might just go two hours. I don't know. It's something. But you're not disabled. As believers, we got to get this. I'm not disabled. I'm not broken. When I gave my life to Jesus, he took care of all my stuff. And his Holy Spirit comes upon me. And it anoints me. And it gives me the ability to accomplish God's will. What is God's will? God's will is that he would, that we would reach the lost. Right? That we would flood heaven and empty out hell. Amen? You're not disabled. You've been enabled. You've been given the ability to reach the lost. The second thing the anointing does is, is, is it, 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 here we go. It entrusts you to reach people and build lives in your marketplace. In other words, God is saying to you, or the anointing helps you understand that, that God trusts me with the people in my life. He's trusted them into my care. <laughs> you see, I'm going to put a little pressure on you today. Oh, you're going to be a minister when you walk out of here. I'm telling you today, y'all, this ain't me. This ain't all about me. Jamie's not going to reach Eunice. We're going to reach Eunice. Amen. And so, so God has entrusted the people in your life that only you can touch and I could never touch. He's entrusted them to you. The marketplace represents your house. It represents your neighborhood. It represents your job. It represents the place that you shop the most. It represents your, the place of your hobbies, whether it's the lake, the gym, the golf course, the tennis court, the, the crochet room, the painting store, whatever it is, whatever your hobby is, that's your marketplace. Your marketplace is everybody that you come into contact with on a regular basis. Those are the people, and you've got to see this today, those are the people that God has trusted you with. That should put some weight of responsibility on you today. This ain't going to be one of them feel-good messages. I'm sorry. I'm not going to butter you up too much today. But we're going to leave here knowing what we're supposed to do and who we are. Amen? So he's enabled you. The anointing enables you. It gives you the ability. The anointing trusts you. I mean, think about that for me. Let's just try to wrap our heads around that. God himself is saying to you, Everyone in your life, I've trusted you with. The ones you like and the ones you can't stand. <laughs> Come on, somebody. You probably got more that you can't stand and more than you like. But, hey, you just need to start doing something with the anointing God's given you. Maybe he'll change who you're hanging out with. I don't know. That could get better or worse. So first, the, the, the anointing enables you. Secondly, it entrusts you. Number three, the anointing empowers you to reach people and build lives in your marketplace. Get this. You never know how strong you are until you try something that seems impossible. I'm a football player. I played ball in high school and I played ball in college. And I was always throwing up weights. I mean, we, we just we pound the weights. Anytime you come back from a break, it's like coach was just dying to kill you. And he'd put you in the gym, and, and he would, he would, we would do this thing called maxing out. And it's where you get in the gym, and the, and the fitness coach or the training coach, he wants to find out how strong you are. 
So he puts you, let's say, for instance, on the bench press, and he maybe starts you out with 225, and you're, you're pumping 225. Well, you get two, three, two or three reps of 225. He says, oh, no, Jack, put, put another 25 on each side. Because he's trying to find your max. He's trying to get you to the point where you can go, I think that's my max, coach. Do you follow me? He's trying to get you to max out. You don't know how strong you are until you try something impossible. Michelle, that's good preaching. Golly, man, that's a word from God. I sound like Derek, don't I? It's my new buddy. I try to sound like Derek. He's the epitome of Cajun. You never know how strong you are until you try something impossible. But if you're too afraid to try something impossible, then you never get to experience the, the adventure and the, and the empowering of the anointing. I believe Christians today don't even know what the anointing is because we don't ever step out into something scary. Amen? So the anointing enables you, it it entrusts you, and then it empowers you. So really, the anointing gives you no excuse. (laughs) Right? I mean, what, what excuse can you have after those three points right there? What can you say to God that gets you out of telling somebody about Jesus? What can you honestly stand before God and say, well, you know, you, you forgot this one. Uh, I got this. Or, or I didn't get this. Come on, somebody. We have no more excuses. First John chapter 2, verse 20. So see, there you go. The anointing's not spooky. Right? I mean, did that clear that up? Because y'all are looking at me like, the, like a mule at the gate. I mean, shake, shake your head. If, if it did, if it didn't, did that clear up the anointing? Still ain't shaking your head right. A lot of work to do today. All right, so 1 John chapter 2, verse 20 says this. It says, but you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. The Word of God is speaking to you today, and it's saying that you have an anointing from the Holy One. In other words, God Himself has anointed you. And oh, by the way, you're going to know all things. We'll get to that later on in the message, because I'm going to take that excuse away from you too today. I'm ready for you today. So let's jump into 1 Kings chapter 19. I want to show you this from the Old Testament. And I want, to, I want you to see how from the Old Testament to the New Testament to the present day, God's anointing people for the marketplace. 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 16. Let me set it up. Here's Elijah. Say Elijah. And now you know there was Elijah and Elisha. Okay. This is Elijah. Elijah is, is listening to God and God's giving him instructions. And this is what he says to Elijah. He says, and you shall anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel. And Elisha, son of Shaphat, of Abel Meholah, you shall anoint as prophet in your place. So God's telling Elijah, you're going to anoint Jehu as king, which represents the marketplace. And you're going to anoint Elisha as a prophet to take your place eventually, which represents the ministry or represents the kingdom of God. Are you seeing this? So, so Elijah anointed two people that day. It was actually three. There was another king in this mix that got anointed too. But he anointed a king which represented the marketplace. A king was not a preacher. A king was not a priest. A king was not, he was not in the full-time ministry. Come on, somebody. 
A king was to rule over a country or to rule over people. And God anointed a man to rule over a country. You got to see this. Often we think that the anointing is for the preacher or the pastor. I don't know how it happens, but we get stuck into that mindset that only preachers, pastors, evangelists, and prophets get this so-called anointing. And we'll leave a church service where a man of God is anointed and we'll go, man, that anointing was strong. Did you feel that? Whoo, yeah, man, I can't wait to come to church again to see his anointing again. And we think that the anointing only comes on Sundays and it's only for preachers and pastors. You're going to get this today. The anointing is the anointing no matter who you are. The anointing remains the same. The gift and the talent and the calling is different. The anointing is the same. The calling is different. The gift is different. Are you hearing me this morning? The anointing is the anointing. It's not just for the preacher. You've got to get this today. The same anointing that I have on me right now to preach this gospel to you is going to be there for you in the morning when you wake up and you put your work boots on and you step in your truck and you go to work. That same anointing is for you that day. Amen, Pastor. Woo, that's good preaching, Pastor. Man, we got to get this. I'm telling you, I'm so fired up right now, I can't, I can't keep my mind straight. The anointing is the anointing no matter who you are and what your job or calling is. The world's not going to get changed by a bunch of preachers. You can say amen. The world's not going to change by a bunch of preachers. The world's going to change when the church realizes it's anointed to go into the marketplace and it takes the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ into the marketplace where the preacher can't go. Come on, somebody. That's when the world's going to change. It's when the people of God realize that I'm anointed to do my job. So number one, let me give you this. The marketplace is standing and waiting for God's anointed, anointed to show up. The marketplace is standing and waiting for God's anointed to show up. Remember, the anointed are those who have been enabled, entrusted, and empowered to accomplish God's will by the Holy Spirit. The world that God has trusted you with is waiting for you. They're waiting for you. They can't find peace They can't find joy. They have no hope. And you're walking into that environment every day, sometimes clueless that you're the hope that's in that place, that God trusted you with those people. Are you hearing me? You you, you have no clue. You're walking in this, I'm going to do my job. Not even realizing that the guy next to you, if he gets in a car wreck on the way home, is going to go to hell one day. He's going to spend eternity in hell because you didn't realize you were anointed for the marketplace. There's people dying for you to realize who you are. I'm going to prove it to you in Scripture. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 11. 
Samuel being a prophet of God, God was frustrated with, with Saul. Saul did some things on his own. And God said, you know what? I'm going to anoint a new king over Israel. And he told Samuel, he said, go to the house of Jesse. And I'm going to show you somebody there that I want you to anoint to be king over Israel. And so Samuel goes, and this is where we pick the story up in verse 11. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Basically what happened is, is Jesse lined up all his boys, all except one. And these were some good looking boys. And I bet the night before him and his wife were going, man, I wonder who he's going to take. I wonder who he's going to anoint. And Samuel looks at every one of them and a couple of them, he wanted to anoint them because of their outward appearance. But God said, no, I'm looking at something better than their outward appearance. Well, what about this? one? No. And he goes through all of them and God said no to all of them. And then this is where we're at. Verse 11. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. Where's he at? Where's David? He's with the sheep. He's working. He's in the marketplace. He's doing his job. He was doing his job when God called him. Oh, you got to get that. (laughs) He was doing his job when God called him. (laughs) So watch this. This is crazy. He's keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him to me. Watch this. For we will not sit down till he comes here. Samuel saying to the household of Jesse that we're not going to relax. We're not going to walk in peace. We're not going to be hopeful or full of joy until David is standing right here in front of us. I'm not sitting down until he is here. The world around you has that same attitude that I'm not sitting down. I can't find peace. I can't find joy and hope because the anointed one is not here yet. The world around you, the marketplace that God has given you is waiting for you to realize you're anointed and to start walking in that anointing. Amen. David was in the marketplace. What did God want for David? He wanted him to rule over his people. This was a secular position. This was a a world position. This wasn't a ministry opportunity. It was a world position. It was a secular. It was a marketplace position. People are dying all around us, waiting for God's anointed to show up. Let me ask you a question this morning. Just by show of hand, how many of you are in full-time ministry? Just show me your hands real quick. Anybody here in full-time ministry? Okay, you officially all failed. You just got a big old F. Because you're all in full-time ministry. Full-time ministry is not when you get paid for the church from the church. Full-time ministry is when you give your life to Jesus and you start taking off. You're in full-time ministry. Bump your neighbor and say, hey, you're in full-time ministry. Bump the one you didn't want to bump and say, hey, welcome to the ministry. Welcome to the ministry. You're in full-time ministry, baby. You're not getting your check until you get to heaven. (laughs) 
You're in the full-time ministry, man. The world's waiting for you. Waiting for you to show up. Waiting for you to arrive. Waiting for you to realize who you are in Christ. We took communion this morning to remind ourselves of who we are in Christ and to remind ourselves of what Christ has done for us. Why? Because I'm the anointed of God. I'm going into a lost world and I'm bringing the hope of the world, the joy of the world. I'm bringing salvation, eternity. Come on, somebody. I'm bringing this to a lost world. And God has put his Holy Spirit on me to enable me and trust me and empower me to do it. Number two, with the anointing. (laughs) This one's important. It might not sound like it's important, but it's important. With the anointing, you will know all things. (laughs) With the anointing, you will know all things. I'm about to take all your excuses away. I'm just going to put them in a bag and throw them in the trash this morning. 1 John 2, verse 27. Watch this one. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things. What's the greatest excuse of a Christian today to not bring the the gospel into the marketplace? I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I'm nervous. Every time I go to tell somebody about Jesus, I start stuttering. I don't have any confidence. I feel you. I've been there until I realized I was anointed. Because when the anointing comes on you in the marketplace, it enables you. It gives you the ability to accomplish God's will. It trusts you. God's saying to you, hey, I trust you. I trust you. I mean, how confidence building is that when God says, I trust you? (laughs) Really? I trust you. And not only that, I'm going to empower you to bring the gospel into the marketplace. Are you seeing this? We have no more excuses. The anointing will teach you all things, but you'll never understand that until you step out into that. Who was the young disciple that, that took Judas's place? And it was Stephen. Remember when Stephen was, was, he was getting ready to, he was getting stoned. He wasn't smoking nothing. He was getting ready to, get, to die. And, and he, was, he was being stoned, okay? And, and they're throwing stones at him. And, and Stephen, right before he gets stoned, he just stands up and just opens his mouth. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit gave him the words to say. If you never stand and open your mouth, you never get the words to say. You never know how strong you are until you try something impossible. You're stronger than you think. You're stronger than you think. You have more than enough ability to accomplish God's will in your marketplace. You don't need anything else. The Holy Spirit, the anointing will teach you as you step out. That's God's word right there. That's what God said. That's not Jamie. That's God's word. If God says, I'll teach you all things, if you'll just step into it, when you step into it, then he's going to provide it for you, right? 
Listen, when Peter stepped out the boat, there was not a, a, a submerged pallet floating there that he could stand on. Right? It wasn't until he actually stepped that God put something underneath his feet to hold him. Track with me. Peter's at the boat. Only one audacious enough to step out. Lord, ask me to come walk on the water with you. Come on. Until Peter does this, he never knows. You think about that. The instant his foot hits something that held him up. He never knew until he stepped into it. And Christians today are bored. They're bored. They're dropping out the church left and right. And they're blaming the preacher. They're blaming the worship team. They're blaming the lights. They're blaming the guy that checked them in. They're blaming the parking lot crew. They're blaming everybody. But the reality is, is they're bored and they're busted with Christianity because they never stepped out into something and experienced God for themselves. You can have the coolest lights, the coolest building and the greatest preachers in the world. But until you actually step out for yourself into something impossible, you'll never experience God. We have no excuses. Let your work speak for you. You know, you're anointed to do your job. What's sad is when you go into the marketplace today, at least when I was in the marketplace, I'd see a lot of people that claim to be Christians. And when they would say that or, or tag themselves as a Christian, honestly, I would get a little annoyed with them. Because it usually meant they were lazy. I'm just being real. I fired more Christians than I did dope heads. They want to preach to you at break time. They want to preach to you at lunchtime. They want to condemn you, make you feel bad about yourself. And they can't even work a 10 hour day. And the Bible says work as though you're working unto the Lord. Holla. Right? Let your work speak for you. Let your work preach the gospel. You ever been around somebody that's anointed to do their craft or their trade? I got a friend of mine, and he's a, he's a, he's a, um, a carpenter, a trim carpenter. Man, he's one of the best around. I'd put him up against anybody. And, and he came to my house one day to hang some crown molding. And he came in, and you know, I was expecting we were going to shoot the bull for a little while and, and do this and that. Man, he walks in. He's like a man on a mission. He walks in, pulls his tape out. Where are we going? And I'm like, how you doing, man? I'm good, bro. I'm good. What, what, what you want to hang? Well, okay, let's go. We're going to hang some crown over here. And then I need to hang this. And I need to do that. Okay, good. Pulls his tape out. Tells his, his boy, says, get my ladder, get this and that. He comes in with the ladder. He starts taking his measurements, writing it down. Boom, boom. Doing this. He goes outside. The saw is flying. Fume, 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 fume. Comes inside. Gets the nail gun. Tick, 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 tick. I'm like, God. And I'm sitting there going, wow. And I've been around a lot of stuff, but I'm just like, wow. And this brother didn't quit. Everything fit. Everything was tight and right. You didn't have to caulk much. You know what I'm saying? I didn't use a tube of caulk. I was like, praise God. And so it was good. And his work was great. And the way he worked was incredible. And I realized at the end that I was just ministered to. Come on, somebody. I was just ministered to by somebody hanging crown molding in my house. 
Because he worked with such an anointing that I was just like, wow. I remember when I, I understood that I was anointed. I was on a job site in a carbon black plant and we'd, we'd had this guy where we were building a big old foundation for an oil tank. And my company had hired this guy from out of state they didn't know and and he comes in, the guy's just, he, he's not anointed. <laughs> I didn't say it like that. He's not anointed. This brother was lazy, unorganized, and had no leadership ability at all. And we're all out there with him, about five of us, and I'm there as an operator. And he, he won't tell us what to do. The job's falling flat on his face. The company comes out and says, look, something's got to change. They're frustrated. They're aggravated. They call my company and say, hey, you got to do something. So they fire the guy. Middle of the morning, they fire him. And they looked at me and they said, hey, just kind of keep things running. We're going to bring another superintendent out. Just kind of keep things going. And I was like, okay. So I grabbed the guys and said, hey, man, let's clean this place up. And all of a sudden, something came on me. I'm telling you, I remember it as clear as day. Something came on me. It was it's the Holy Spirit of God is what I realize now. And I, and I saw this job site different. And I went, golly, man, let's, let's put this here. Hey, guys, let's grab this. Let's straighten this up. And we organized all the materials around the job. If you know me, I'm not an organized guy. Right, kids? Okay. Got my witnesses with me today. And, and so, I, so we organized the whole job. And then, and then the guy from the company we're working for comes out and he goes, man, what happened here? I said, oh, we just straightened up a little bit. He said, looks good. I said, well, thank you. So he left and we would finish organizing everything. I said, well, let's, let's straighten these form boards out. Let's, let's. Tighten this rebar up. Let's make this whole thing better. And we got to work. And these guys just somehow or another, they just followed me. I'm, I'm the operator. And they just, and, we, and we, we keep working. That guy comes back out at the end of the day. Just spit all over myself. Comes back out at the end of the day. And he, he's sitting there and he's just looking at me and he's going. And he's got this crazy look on his face. I'm like, oh man, I'm in trouble. So I was like, what's up? And he was said, thank you. And he said, he said, dude, you turned this whole job around. And he walked away, got on his phone. He called my company and says, you don't need to send anybody else out here. This guy's going to do it. I was an operator. I wasn't a leader. I wasn't a superintendent. But God's anointing was on me. And I did what I felt like I needed to do. Come on, somebody. I just felt like something needed to change. And I just applied myself to it. And I just worked hard. And God's anointing was on me. And it preached to that man. It preached to him. Because he knew I was a believer. He knew I was a church-going guy. My, my example and my work backed up my message. Amen. I realized I was anointed and man, that didn't quit. God kept sending me to places that were just broken and out of order and disruptive. And he would just use me to just straighten them up. How has God anointed you? Because you see, when you work in your anointing, when you use the anointing to just physically do your job or mentally do your job, when you do that, it opens the door for the gospel. I'm just telling you, when people see a hard worker that's got this thing, they don't know what to call it. It's that this dude got a thing on him. It's not a tick. It's not a flea. It's just, a, it's just like a, he got this thing on him and his brother's good. 
When they see that, it opens the door for the gospel to come across. One more story. I like telling stories. Went into business with a business partner, and he and I were running this concrete business, and, and the business grew, and we worked for one of the biggest contractors in Lafayette. And their office was on the corner of Johnston Street, like the downtown area in Lafayette, one of those big buildings where the courthouse is. They're actually above the courthouse. Big old company, all kind of rules and regulations, hard to work for. And the guy that we were constantly, the project manager we were constantly working for, this guy was just ruthless. I mean, he couldn't say 10 words without cussing. He was just, he was out of whack. The guy was bad. But we, we, and we, we kept getting him for some reason to do these jobs, and we would do our jobs good. We'd work, we'd communicate well. We did all the things we're supposed to do. The anointing was on both of us. One day, my business partner's up in their office, and he's coming out, and this guy meets him at the corner of Johnson Street, downtown Lafayette, busy during the middle of the day. This guy starts asking, he goes, hey, man, what's up with you and your partner? He's like, what do you mean? And he was expecting something negative. He goes, man, y'all, y'all just, y'all, y'all get along. Y'all's work is good. Y'all don't, y'all don't lie. I haven't caught you in a lie yet. What's the deal with all that? And he starts asking questions. In other words, he opened up his heart and he said, would you put what you got inside of me? And my business partner on the corner of downtown Lafayette on that street started preaching the gospel to that guy. Isn't that awesome? But if you're a lazy bum that can't tell the truth and don't show up on time, nobody wants to hear your message. Right? So let me give you a couple of points. Let me make this thing practical because you're anointed. So we've established that the anointing's not weird. We've established that the marketplace... It's basically the world that God's given you, right? Right. Y'all took a sip of water too, huh? So let me make it practical. What does this really look like? Number one, be prepared. You need, be, you need to be prepared. You expect me to come here prepared on Sunday mornings, right? You don't want to come here a, a half-baked message, Right? You don't want to come to church and Pastor Jamie ain't spent no time with Jesus, hadn't read his Bible all week, been fighting with his wife all week, and has no, no, no good relations with his kids. You don't want to come here for that, right? You expect me to be prepared, right? You can say it. Say, yes, Pastor Jamie, we expect you to be prepared. In the same way, you need to be prepared on your way to work or on your way home or on your way to the gym On your way to the marketplace, be prepared. Spend time with God through Bible reading, studying, and prayer. And listening. Some of you need to learn the art of shutting up. And let God speak back to you. Just saying. Turn the radio off in your car on the way to work. And maybe, maybe just pray about the people you're getting to run into. Instead of dreading it. Cover it in prayer. Do you know that prayer is the greatest way to influence somebody? Because they can't do nothing about your prayer. You can try to tell them something all day and they'll disregard that, throw that in the trash. But when you're praying for them, they can't do nothing about that. You just hit them with, a, with, the, with the ultimate weapon. Pray over them. Be prepared. I had a boss one time. He was so picky. I was running this, this machine and, 
And he, he would always come down when we were dressing off the job. And he would always come down and just, he was picky. And I was already good, but he was just picky. And so, man, he's, I see him coming and I knew what he was coming for. And I'd just, just been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I started praying in tongues. And I just watched him. And he would walk down the street. And he'd go. He'd turn around and walk back. And I said, hmm. So then he'd come again. About five minutes later, he'd come on. Like he was going to tell me something. And I was, over, I was just sitting there praying, Lord, just whatever, just praying. And I'd look up and he'd turn around and walk on. I mean, it's happened like five times. This guy just, he'd come, he's coming to tell me something. And I said, Lord, shut him down. And for no reason, the guy would just turn around and walk backwards. Pray over the people. You never know what God's going to do to the people you work with. Right? He might shut them up. They might be nice. They might get generous if you start praying for them. Come on, somebody. Take a walk. Talk to God. Spend some time with God. Prepare yourself. Reading your Bible and praying and spending time with God is just giving God more to anoint. Come on, somebody. It's putting bullets in your gun. If it ain't loaded, you're not doing nothing. Right? Spend some time with God. Be prepared. Be intentional. When you're heading to the gym. Man, Lord, you know that old boy's going to be there. He got bigger muscles than me, Lord. And Lord, you know he's juicing. But, you know, Lord, just, I just pray that you just give me an opportunity to speak life into him. Boy, the boy's dead, Lord. He's spiritually dead with big muscles. But, but Lord, just, just go in and you never know what will happen. Be intentional. Number two, live with boldness and courage. Boldness and courage. Listen, I want to get that across to you today. You need to live with boldness and courage. You are God's hope for the world. You are his plan A. There is no plan B. He wants to use you and you alone to reach the world that he's put you in. Come on, you need to get a little chip on your shoulder. You need to walk into the workplace like, hey, this is my place. I'm not going to be a thermometer and read the temperature around me. I'm going to be a thermostat and I'm going to set the temperature of my environment. I'm tired of letting the environment dictate how I'm going to be. I'm going to start dictating how the environment's going to be. We got to know who we are. When you know who you are and you're reminded of, who, of what Christ has done for you and all that he's given you and all the things. I mean, think about this. You've got a crowd, a, a cloud of witnesses cheering you on. You've got a crowd. There's, there's people in the stands looking over your life, seeing you get in your car to go to work and say, come on, man, you got this. There's a battle going on in the spiritual realm. The enemy's nervous today because if you get anointed and you understand what you're supposed to do, then people are going to come from death into life this week, tomorrow morning. Somebody going to get saved on a Monday, dear Jesus. That's like, that's an extra miracle to get saved on a Monday. And people just have a bad day. Not a good day to come to Christ. But live with boldness and courage. You need to be willing to stand up to anything. Don't be afraid of anybody. It doesn't matter if your boss is rich. It doesn't matter if he owns the company. If he's lost, he's dying. 
And you're the only one in the place with life inside of you. Go and give that man life. You're God's gift to the planet. There's people dying for you. Dying for you to realize who you are. We have to constantly stir up the spirit inside of us. I'm serious, man. We need to walk into the marketplace with just this thing. You know what, Lord? I want to see a miracle happen today. Lord, I'm believing you for something incredible to happen today. And you walk in there knowing that you're going to change the temperature of your marketplace. Because Jesus didn't die on the cross for you to change your temperature according to the world. Amen. Number three, be the best example you can be. Work hard. Be likable. (laughs) Be likable. You know what it means to be likable? It just simply means to like other people. You can't be critical and reach people. If you fuss about everything at work, nobody wants to hear your message. Come on. Be likable. Easiest way to be likable. Smile. When the boss is cussing you out. Listen, that'll just, that'll really get him. I ain't gonna lie to you. He cussing you out. He's fussing at you. you just like. You almost got this Gomer Pyle, Forrest Gump kind of thing on you. Just kind of like. Mess them all up. Smile. Let them see you fall. You don't need to be fake. You don't need to be religious and you definitely don't need to be legalistic. People need to know that you're human too and that you fall and you stumble, but you know how to get back up. You see, sometimes people learn more from you getting back up than they do from you being perfect. Come on. Be fun. Be authentic. Be who you are. God created you with your own personality. Amen. I tell my wife I'm funny on accident. I actually made a joke at her family event yesterday. I was eating ball crawfish with her brother. Her brother is hilarious. The guy can make you laugh all day long. I, I got it. It comes in spurts for me. And I was accidentally funny. And I looked at my wife and said, I told you I'm accidentally funny. But we had fun. Right. Number four, enjoy the adventure. Christianity is an adventure. It's an adventure. You should not be bored if you're building the kingdom of God. Boredom doesn't come in building the kingdom of God. Amen? You need to learn to laugh and cut up and let your hair down if you got some. You need to, when you lay down at bed at night or you finally hit the recliner in the afternoon, you need to just reflect on what God did today. You know how how valuable that is? Just to sit there and go, man. Man, God, you did something today. You know, normally I would have blown up on that guy, punched him in the nose. But, you know, Lord, I let him live today. I mean, celebrate whatever victory you got. Right? Enjoy the adventure. Learn to share it with other believers. Encourage other people.